Welcome to the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us every week as we interview industry leaders and experts to uncover the ways they're finding sales success today. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. How's everybody doing? It's another episode here on the Inside Inside Sales Show. I've missed you guys. I want you to know that. I really do. You know, it's funny because summer is always awkward. I don't know about how you guys, how your summers are, but if you're like me, that's when I want to take all my vacation. Now, granted, I'm in Canada where we actually have four seasons. I know many of you live further south where you have the hot and then the less hot seasons. So maybe for you, summer is completely different. I understand that. But for me, I like to actually take some vacation, uh, go hang out at the at the little cottage, go booting around on the boat, you know, and just relax and unwind and get away as far as possible from anything tech. Um, so it's interesting because I'm sitting here today inside recording and it's raining out nonstop. It's the gloomiest weather going. In fact, it's my understanding that uh, the month of July, which is when we're recording this, this will be airing, of course, early in August, is the uh, the gloomiest July in the history of ever records being taken place in Ottawa. But with that said, we're going to not be gloomy today. We're going to have some fun. I want to talk to you today, folks. It was interesting. You know, here's the thing. I've got a team, you're part of a team, it's all sales. Summers when we kind of, I just got off of a mid-year summit where the sales and marketing leaders all came together and said, what works in the first half? What are we doing in the second half? Is this still on track? What do we need to do to change ourselves? And, you know, we talk about things. We talk about things like, well, are our emails converting properly? Do we have the right formula for the context of the emails? Are we doing enough activity? Our phone calls, our phone calls are down. Well, people are answering less. Well, maybe the phone is becoming less relevant. Maybe we shouldn't use the phone at all. What do you say about that? Hey, you know what we need to do? More social selling. That's what we need to do. It's all about social selling. And we sit and we do all of these machinations in the sales game, thinking about how can we engage better with our audience? Now, that's cool. We should do that, but let's just walk that through a little bit. One of the things that really came up again when we were doing our first, you know, mid-year review are some of the things we learned in that first year. And one of the things that jumps to mind was a few months back on uh, on social media, there was all this discussion around SDR shaming. And we've talked about this before. So, but if you missed it, what do I mean by SDR shaming? Well, I mean, it's the whole point of, you know, buyers and hey, while I have a sales team, I am a CRO. I own sales and marketing. I've got a sizable budget. I'm a buyer. And so it's about buyers, buyers like me, buyers like whoever you're trying to sell to, getting annoyed that sales development reps, SDRs, are sending them emails and messages that are nothing but pitches. So even on social, hey, let's connect. Three seconds later, once the connection's accepted, hey, my product does this, then this, and this, and you should, you should do this now. And when we respond back and say, what are you doing? Like, we just connected. You're all offended. The SDRs are like, well, dude, that's my job. You're like, no, that's not how social media works. It's gonna be social before it becomes selling. It's social selling. The first word is social. Email is the same way, right? Where 
we're getting all these emails from all these sequencers and cadences and nobody's spending any time doing any kind of customizations or personalizations or contextual con, you know, uh, messaging in the email. So I understand why you're messaging me. And instead, what I'm getting from you is the exact same template out of the box, the latest Josh Braun, you know, version formula that everybody's ripping off. I'm getting the exact same formula from every single one of you. And then that's how SDR shaming comes on because people like me go on social media and say, let me show you this crappy email. Sales reps be better than all the SDRs go and say, hey, you know what? You should tell us so we can be better. So this way it excuses our bad behavior. Now, I don't bring all this up to chastise you. I actually really, really don't. What I'm bringing this up for is to bring something really, really clear to the fore. You see, buyers are cool getting those messages. What buyers don't want to hear from you is that you, they're just a transaction. They don't want you just to be pitching their, your wares. They want to know a couple of things. They want to know if you're going to reach out to me, can you help me? Can you help me? And if you can help me, then will your solution help me both achieve my goals and at the same time make my life easier? If you can do that, I'll talk to you, but too many of you don't understand that. So imagine as I'm reading this book the other day, it's called insight led selling and it's how to adopt an executive mindset, build credibility, communicate with impact. And there's a couple of things there that jumped off the page at me when I first saw this on Amazon. It was the first thing was communicate with impact. And I'm like, oh, 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 I got to read this because if I can help my reps communicate with impact, I know my audience, my buyer will be a happy, happy camper. But, this, but then the thing that really jumped out at me, it's always the second thing that jumps out at you, I find that really you go and you dwell on, was insight-led selling. And think about what I, I just said. I just said, do, do you know something I don't know? And can you help me? In other words, I'm willing to let you sell me if you give me some insights because I got a problem that needs to be fixed and I got budget. So I reached out to the authors and I said, who are these authors? And I said, look at them. It's Steve and Timmy and it's Melody Astley. And they're with a firm called uh, Finlistics. So I said, well, we have to get these people on. And lo and behold, here they are. Steven, Melody, how you doing, folks? Doing well. Good to good to be here with you. Thanks for yeah. having us, Daryl. Real quick on your note uh, on yeah. your your thing about uh, personalization of emails or lack thereof. Yeah, I'm on someone's campaign, right? Same thing, hit up all the time, and and instead of saying Zoom call with Melody, it says Zoom call with there, T H T H E R E. So it will say there comma instead of my name so i did i i'm guilty of a little sdr shaming because i just my name is not there it's, it's not, not. <laughs> and it's a lot it's of not places my name. Be, it's not your name and that's why a lot of people i i shared this i think um, coincidentally here perhaps in the very last podcast i just did a lot of people this year started putting e emojis or emoticons if you will in their linkedin name so that we knew when it was a total bot just sending the content right that we could just tune out um Anyway, we digress. no, we digress, but this is the world of the buyers. This is why we're here today. So, um, guys, thank you for joining me today on the inside, inside sales show. Yeah. You have to say it that way. When, whenever you're talking to anybody, you can't just say inside, inside sales. You got to have the emphasis in the first word. Inside. You got inside. it. See, there you go. You're a natural. Now I got to ask love in the book. 
what prompted you to write this book? I just let's just start there. Well, we have been threatening to write this book for a long time uh, because we have a lot of good content. We've learned a lot of lessons working with our with our clients, and and they've said, "Hey, can you put this? Can you distill this? Can you can you do this for us?" And we said, "Sure, sure, sure." But you know, everything gets in the way: the business, the time, and it's just. We, we didn't have time. So Stephen said at late, late 2019, he said, if we don't do this, if we don't do this now, let's never, ever talk about it again, because it's just like chatter that's annoying all of us. So are we going to do it or not? So, yes, we're going to do it. Well, then we know what happened in early 2020. COVID came and we found ourselves with just a lot more time uh, at our desks where we could really concentrate and focus and get it done. So that's what we did during 2020, our, our productive task in 2020. Another part of it, Daryl, is, you know, we all know the statistics. Only half of sellers make their quota and 73% of executive buyers think sellers don't know their business. It goes on and on and on. We're like, you know, we're, we're sick of this. We, we have a lot of friends that are in sales. They're smart people and there just needs to be a framework for them to follow. So it's like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing about this stuff. Let's do something about it. Okay. So I still love that because it's funny. You know, I'm building out, I'm expanding my sales team. I'm hiring a whole bunch of reps and I'm having a hell of a time, uh, finding reps because I think the last I saw there's like 1.7 jobs right now, sales jobs for every one rep that you could, that may be on the market, if you will, open to having a conversation. And I had that conversation as recently as yesterday with my recruiter. And I woke up this morning and I opened the Wall Street Journal and there it is in the Wall Street Journal, another article on the exact same thing about what this is. And in fact, there's a bit of corollary happening. And this is where I'm going to tie it back to what you said, Stephen, which is uh, that, you know, because there's such a demand for it, the price, the compensation for sales is going through the roof. And if you're good at this, forget the base, your commissions alone, you can make some serious bank these days, which is why we have this show in the first case to make people better reps. So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the issues you're seeing over and over again? Like, for example, I know your book talks about mindset. That's a big part. Maybe uh, we've covered that before, but I would love, let's just spend two or three minutes there about mindset. And then we can go on to some of the other bullets that your, your book really speaks to. Well, it's executive mindset. So, yes. you know, mindset you can mean a lot of things. It can mean how do I pump myself up? How do I, you know, have rigor and perseverance and curiosity and all those things, right? Um, when we talk about uh, executive mindset in in the book. What what we're saying is, your buyers don't really care what your product is. They've got their whole list of problems to solve, and so how can you help them? You talked to that a little bit earlier. So. Early on in the book, we want to orient the sellers around how their customer buys and what their customer's top careabouts are. So how do you adopt your buyers or the executive's mindset so you can better walk in their shoes and have an empathetic conversation? Yeah, and, okay. and a big part of that is even though I'm a finance type, I love finance, and we cover you know, looking at your uh, customer's financial performance and you know, netting out some insights, the most important thing, and having worked with a lot of buying execs in my life, in fact, I start off when my hair was dark, and I've worked with so many, it's now not dark. Anyway, uh, is what are their goals? And you, you, you mentioned it, Daryl. I get this generic email, blah, blah, blah. Would you like to grow your business? You know, all this other kind of crap. 
they never make reference to what what is the goal. So, so for example, a consumer products company has this goal of taking out $600 million in cost so they can put it back in the company. Well, if you're reaching out to me, make reference to that. So the executive mindset is understand what, what their goals and strategies are, what kind of problems are they trying to deal with, those type of things. So if you reach out to me, you know, be, be relevant because otherwise it's, you know, swipe left. Okay. So I want to drill down on all these topics um, and hopefully you have enough time. So I want to come back to the whole idea around financially driven points, as you were alluding to, Steve, because I think a lot of reps, that is probably one of the biggest shortcomings they have is understand the numbers and the consequences and why it matters to them. But I want to kind of go back to what Melody was saying there about the whole idea. I think Melody used the, the phrase, uh, you know, you know, kind of put a, put, put on the, the, that executive's coat. You want to put on that executive's apparel. You, you want to, you know, you want to kind of become the executive. You know, I've talked before to the audience about how important it is to have a really solid you know, understanding of who your ideal customer profile is and then who all the personas sure. are within each one of that. And and I think a lot of people nod their head at that. But I, I actually don't think many of them truly embrace themselves in who that executive is and, and their mindset and their pains and their challenges and their dilemmas and the anxieties and the fears and the concerns that they're living with every day because they're as anxious to keep their job and their income as you are to keep yours. So how do you teach a rep how to get into an executive mindset when they themselves may either A, never have been an executive, B, never had done that role that they're selling to? Um, yeah. how, how, how does a rep do that? Well, one of the cool things about the book is just not me and Melody saying we've got combined 2,000 years experience working with sellers. Uh, we interviewed uh, about a dozen uh, executives, buying executives. And so the one thing we do is we say, okay, look, here, here like uh, Don Garibaldi, former VP of supply chain at Procter & Gamble, pretty good position. Uh, and so we asked Don, like, what, what, do, what do you expect from sellers. And she's like, well, I expect them to know what goals I have. And granted, at the level I'm at, we, you know, ask, ask me what their specific goals are. And she also said, look, I expect reps to know how I'm, uh, you know, performing financially. So the one thing we do is say, look, this isn't us making this up. That's, you know, it, it's in our self-interest to do so. But here are the people that you want to talk to. And they're asking you this. And then what we do is we break it down into the smaller pieces. Like, Here's what CMOs are most focused on. Here's what COs are most focused on. Oh, and here's their common goals and strategies and those type of things. So we just don't tell them to go do it. We actually give them some pretty detailed templates saying, oh, well, at this level, you know, this buying unit or line of business, excuse me, is here are the three or four things that are most common. Oh, and by the way, here's how they're going to measure success. So very, very practical insights into that. So one is, hey, you ought to go do this because you're here's executives combined who bought billions of dollars worth of stuff over the years. So I think you should listen to them. Uh, and then here's a framework for thinking about it. And, you know, we, we give a lot of it to them because we want to be successful. So for, for my, for the audience, you know, you guys have been great. You've been with me over the years. Let me ask you a really hard question. If I were to put, if I were to say to you right now, you've got 
15 seconds to tell me who your buyer is and and the top issues they're facing and why those are issues. That's that second level. Could you do it? And if you're feeling a little uncomfortable, then you need to go and address this because it comes across in your delivery and your discovery and your opening conversations. And they, people like me and Melody who actually have um, budget and we're buyers we smell this out when you guys are uncertain. And then right away, when you're uncertain, then we start to go, then you have nothing to add. You, you're not going to be able to tell me something I don't know. So well, that's a nice thing. I mean, the build credibility, right? I mean, that's that's exactly one of the things that we want. We want to demonstrate. It's how do you how do you construct this point of view? How do you tailor the point of view for the industry? How do you tailor the point of view for the buying persona? And how do you begin to dynamically pivot that? Because even if you've got 12 stakeholders, more stakeholders than ever in these complex deals, every person is going to value, have a different perspective of what is valuable. And you need to understand what those are. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Melody, you're my best friend right now. We were just having this conversation recently about how not enough reps are truly seeking out those who are involved directly in the buying committee and those who are influencing consensus in a purchase decision uh, because they all have different things that they value and they measure and they're looking for answers for. And I watch too many deals fall apart at the finish line because they get blindsided because there's another stakeholder with a bigger <laughs> a point of view and more influence that they didn't see coming because they didn't understand that. Okay. Well, and Daryl, that's what, I mean, Gartner has said there's now 10 plus stakeholders, right? And even though they're all aligned, like, let, let's, let's take, for example, uh, e-commerce, like the one, one retailer I know, we want to grow revenues by having a differentiated e-commerce uh, experience. Okay. Well, you got marketing involved, you got merchandising involved, you got store operations involved, you got distribution logistics involved. And, and, and so the point is, even though they're working to the same common goals, their initiatives are different, their score, scorecards are different. And so you really do need to, you know, pick out the alpha buyers, but you know, that store operations person, if you're selling customer insights, Probably isn't the main buyer, but if you could tell, oh, and here's how I think I can help you improve your comp store sales, they're probably going to, hey, let's let's vote for Daryl. So absolutely positively. And the one thing I want to note about this is it's really a team sport. You cannot ask one individual to do all this. And so it has to be a team sport with marketing, sales, industry experts. But the point being, it's also very scalable because a lot of companies have got the, within the industry, same goals, same strategy, same initiatives. So there's a lot of economies of scale to this. You said something I've never heard before in any of the years of doing this podcast, pick out the alpha. And I love that. But here's the thing about picking out the alpha. There's two comments going to make. One, back to Melody's point. Uh, it's big buying committees. So you have to actually, you have to talk to everybody in the buying committee before you can determine who the alpha is. That's point number one. Point number two, how many of you think you're already talking to the alpha? You cannot, I cannot tell you how many reps I say, I'm no, no, I'm talking, they've got budget, they got authority. They're the, the decision maker. Like they're, they're the alpha. And then again, they lose the deal at the end because they were at the alpha. All right. Stop fooling yourselves, guys. All right. Stop overcoming your fear and actually go seek out the buying committee. Now, Stephen, I'm going to come back to you. You made a point about earlier mentioning about um, 
building credibility by developing financially driven points of view. Okay. I find sales reps, they know how to count their commissions, but they're not the best when it comes to actually understanding metrics and KPIs and what motivates a buyer. So what can you, what can you teach us here? And then what does the book, uh, what can the book teach us more if we were to read the book? Yeah. So what, what we do is we say for different industries, even though there's a lot of different, uh, you know, metrics. So th- this was years ago. I wrote a book for co-authored a book with American Bankers Association. We had like 200 something metrics, you know, it's like crazy. But within every industry, there's three, maybe four uh, key metrics. So if I'm in manufacturing, I'm look at direct costs. You know, everyone looks at how fast I grow the business or I might be looking at inventories. Where am I? So there's only about three or four that you really needed to, to know. You don't, who cares about the calculation? And then talk about how you could how you could influence it. So just focus on those couple areas that executives are most focused on, and then overlap that with what you know. I can't help with all of them, but here's the two I really can help with. And you know, get your house statement down. Even though I'm a finance person, I learned from Tom Showy, who was the CFO at Walmart. I'm dropping some names. Uh, he taught me to Stephen, talk about the how and then the how much. And so what folks need to do is say, here's the couple of metrics that are most important. We can influence them. How can we influence those? And get that story down before jumping in all like, hey, hey, Gerald, do you know your profit margin dropped? Hey, hey, the meeting's over, leave, please. So yeah, it's it's not as hard. And and, and the other part is it's not just the numbers, like take, take like revenues. One of the things we teach is think about how marketing looks at changes in revenues. Think about how sales look at that. Think about how product development. So they're the same number, but they're looking at it from different perspectives. So who's your buyer and how do they think about these metrics? So it's, I, I'm not going to say this right. It's, it's about the numbers, but not really. It's about what's behind the numbers and how you can help. It's not as hard as people think. The numbers become the excuse to drill down on what those numbers mean to that individual. That's the real big thing, right? If you know the numbers, you can start asking them questions. Why is your number this way? Then shut up. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, this is the way they're talking. So if you aspire, you want to call on executives, this is the way they're talking. And one of the things that I say is, okay, is your CMO, does your CMO likely have a, a, a degree, a PhD or an MBA in finance? No, probably not. But guess what? They're still talking that language anyway. And so the thing about this is when you begin to understand it and internalize it and make it part of your sales motion, this is a skill that has no obsolescence. It's a skill that that will port to it will port with you through your whole career, regardless of you know technologies that come and go, regardless of business models that come and go. When you learn how to speak this language, it puts you ahead and it keeps you ahead. Yeah, and you don't need to make reference to the numbers. You don't. You, hey, hey. Daryl, I noticed that your margins have dropped, but I saw that you also, this is like Tesla, not, not this most recent quarter, but backing up a couple of years. You know, I, I saw, hey, Elon, my brother, I saw that uh, margins have dropped, but I also saw you talked about you changed, like you showed fewer S's and you sold more of the Model 3s, which have a lower margin. You know, this is how they talk about it. They don't go into a bunch of numbers. The best analogy I can give folks, it's like a I know you guys hate, are tired of the sports analogy, so I'll try to keep it light. You know, you can have two teams, two players competing against each other. What do they do? They talk about, A, the score. That's, that's something like revenue, all right? And then they go into the numbers that drive that number, right? So every sports 
got a whole bunch of, you know, baseball RBIs, an example, right? Or on base percentage or, you know, their batting percentage, et cetera. These are all the numbers they talk about all the freaking time to drive the conversation. And work is no different. Corporations are no different. Steven is right. Melody is right. Do you know, folks, do you know? the numbers that your prospects, remember, it changes by the individual title or persona. Do you know the numbers that your people care and talk about? And then that you can use that to work backwards to drive a discovery process, which is done on me. And I'll tell you this, when you do that, I love you. I love you because you're talking my language. Like you get my world and all the other reps didn't. And you did. Yeah, I'm going to go another half hour longer with you. No problem. You I'll cancel that meeting. You're my new best friend because you, you might be able to show me something I don't know. Exactly. Well, and this is all right, Daryl. I'm going to add something to this real quick. Because in a previous life, I was a professor of finance, and I know that most people who say, "Hey, do you want to learn a little bit of finance?" or shove bamboo shoots up your fingernails. They grab the bamboo shoots every time. <laughs> every time. When, I, when I'm telling folks out there now, I'm telling you, know, I know you're probably traumatized because those professors want to be the smartest people in the room and blah, blah, blah. Just, I wish you'd be like men in black, dear. I wish we'd like, like, forget everything you ever knew about finance and just start over. Start start with the ba- start with the basics. You know, what are the couple areas that are the most important? And in the book, we give a lot of templates about you're talking to them, they want to talk about these metrics. They want to hear how they're going to measure success. And just think about the how part, not so much the how much. So kind of recap here, kids. You know, we talked about a lot of things today. It's been very fast action. Of course, what I totally suggest you do is go. You can, I'm, I'm sure you can get the book from lots of places. I'm lazy. I went to Amazon. It's right there. I can get the Kindle version, the hardcover, the paperback. It's up. Remember, it's called Insight Led Selling. So that's what you need to know. It's got five stars across the board. It's number one new release. Congrats, guys. That's pretty cool. So uh, check that out. All right. So you've got uh, Dr. Stephen Timmy, and then you've got Melody Astley. They're both with Finlistics. Um, the one thing I do like about th- this is we covered off things about adopting an executive mindset. Not and It's not just your mindset. It's their mindset. That's huge. So put yourself in their shoes. We talked about building credibility by developing financially driven points of view. All right. And that leads to discovery. And we talked about, and, and Stephen especially talked about this, how communicating uh, with impact by speaking your buyer's language. And as Melody said, yeah, you're my new best friend. Absolutely. So that's, that is Stephen and Melody. Now, finally, I got to ask, and then we'll wrap it up. What does Finlistics do? I'm going to guess because of the first three letters, it's something related to numbers. Well, actually, it stands for financial linguistics. And there we go. The, finance is the language of business. I don't, I'm sure you've been to executive committee meetings. D- different points of view, bottom line, the common denominator is what, what's they, speaking the language of finance. All right. So check it out, finlistics.com, folks. I mean, I'm looking at it. Our top-rated client insight platform provides quick access to company and industry financial trends, peer comparisons to help your team better understand your prospects' needs. Every single rep right now is going, what's that again? It's finlistics.com. Okay, kids, we're done. We're out of here. Time has gone by. It's another week, another episode. Thank you, Melody. Thank you, Stephen. You're welcome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Daryl. It's been fun. Folks, they're both on LinkedIn. Give them a follow. If you loved this Give them a follow. Reach out to them the message. Remember, it's all about the language and the numbers. I heard you talk to Daryl on the Inside Inside Sales Show. And when you said this, that really resonated with me. And then you, you know, you pitch the numbers, pitch whatever. See, see if you can sell 
the rock stars themselves. For another week, we're done. We're out of here. My name is Daryl. You know the show. It's Inside Inside Sales. Tell your friends about it. Thank you for joining us, folks. We'll talk to you soon next week. In the meantime, be good. Take care. Be less gloomy. That's what I'll do. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prail. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review on the platform you're listening to the show from today. Also, please feel free to share this program with your friends and colleagues. Thank you. Daryl will be back again next week. Next week.